God may be trying to show you something in your role for his story of redemption in your life or for his story of redemption in your life and to affect the lives of others. There's a movie came out in 2020, uh, animated film called Onward. You may have seen it. Um, and it's a story of uh, this timid uh, brother, Ian, and he's encouraged by his brother, Barley, and they're on this quest. Um, and his older brother keeps encouraging him to, to, to move forward with this, and Ian doesn't, you know, is just reluctant, and he's timid. And there's a scene where the characters find themselves um, at this big ravine in this opening, and there is uh, an invisible bridge to get them across. Take a look at this. had the ability uh, to complete the quest to get across the bridge and all of that, but he was unsure of himself. He was unsure of himself, and, and he kind of needed that extra push, but, it, but at one point, there came a point where he had to take that step. He had to take that step of faith, and he had to believe with every step. As we've gone through this series called Yes, You, I think there's an aspect of this that can apply to all of us with that story and even with this, uh, the whole synopsis of the entire thing because many times we act just like Ian. We don't, we don't believe in the next step. We can maybe believe in one step, but we have to really believe with each and every step that we take. And as we've gone through this and we've talked about how God has used amazing people throughout the Bible who were uh, outsiders, who were um, looked at as less than people who maybe didn't have the ability or so they thought that the world maybe just completely wrote off because of where they stood and where they were and he's used small people he's used the outsider the behind the scenes person and and even the timid skeptic as we're going to look at today we're going to look at a story of Gideon in the Bible, in, uh, in Judges chapter 6, Gideon, he is a guy that is unsure of himself, and he's unsure of uh, God's ability even in his life. And God really has to show Gideon that God is more capable of using Gideon than Gideon thought he was even capable to be able to be used, and he uses him to deliver Israel and so to give you a little bit of a background on it, you know, we all like underdog stories, 
some of the best movies that we know of and, uh, and all of that. We all like the underdog story where the smallest person stands up to a bully or a team that has no business being in a game ends up winning. We know those, those kinds of stories, and this is certainly that. Without a doubt, this is definitely that. But in many ways, Gideon is an underdog in this story. Hear me. He's an underdog in this story because he made himself the underdog. He really wasn't the underdog in the story. He put himself in that position, just like Ian does in Onward, and just like you and I do, even in our own lives. We forget who's got our back. We forget who's helping walk us through the story that we're in. Turn to Judges chapter 6 if you do have your Bibles, or you can follow on the Bible app um, and, uh, and follow along with me there. It's in the Old Testament. And the background of this story kind of goes like this. Gideon um, is a part of the Israelites, and they're being uh, really just oppressed by the Midianites. The Midianites are coming into uh, Israel's camp, and they're stealing their food, and they're destroying their crops, and really just bullying them, among other things. And they're doing it just because they can. Um, and they've been doing it for a long time, uh, about seven years or so, as it says. And so all this is happening, and God speaks to a man named Gideon and says, I'm going to use you. I'm going to raise you up, and I'm going to use you to stop what is happening to my people. I'm going to use you to stop the Midianites and to stop this and to free the people of Israel yet again. And so this is where we pick up the story. He, he speaks to Gideon, and here's Gideon's response. And we're in Judges chapter 6. I'm starting in verse 13. Here's what he says. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us to the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. And the Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Now, when I read his response to God, am I the only one that's wondering why God didn't just smack him? I mean, honestly, the, the gall of this guy to say this like whoa relax a little respect here look who you're talking to but the Lord is patient with him he hears him he lets him talk and then he begets, begins to set him straight and throughout the chapter God calls Gideon to be strong and to tear down the pagan nations and to tear down the people that are oppressing God's people and Gideon struggles to believe God, as you can see from the way that he's responding to him here. He struggles to believe God and that God has the right person for the job. And so he asks for proof. Even after this response, he asks for proof. So let's skip down here to verse 36. Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you've promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. And that is what happened. 
So Gideon rose early the next day. And he squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me. Let me just make one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece, but this time make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. So that night God did so, and only the fleece was dry, and all the ground was covered with dew. So he lays out this wool fleece, Gideon does, and asks God to make the fleece wet and the ground dry, and then he's like, okay, that's really cool, but how about, how about we do it again? And, and asks him for proof even one more time and flips it around. The opposite this time, and God does it. And, you know, it's, I guess it's a little more of an obvious miracle that time. I don't know. Um, and from there, Gideon finally says, okay, okay, I, I get it. I hear you, God. And so he starts building an army and recruiting an army from there. Because for whatever reason, it took all of that to convince Gideon that God was behind him in this and that this was truly God's plan. So Gideon recruits an army. And yeah, I'm skipping through some things here. But here's the important points. He recruits an army of 32,000 soldiers. So he gets 32,000 soldiers together to prepare for battle. And God says, my turn. My turn for a test. And he flips the script on Gideon completely. So let's go to chapter 7. Chapter 7 and verse 2. It says, The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. He's like, Y'all would get cocky. You would get arrogant. So you got too many. So through you know, some different things and some different ways that God kind of sorted people out. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. So he went from a 32,000 soldier army to 300. God's like, okay, now you're ready. Now you're ready to go. It's, it's pretty incredible. And Gideon would then, surprise, go on to defeat the Midianites with only 300 soldiers with some very cool things happening in the midst of that, but showing really that God is powerful, God is in control, and he is faithful, all to Gideon's surprise. So let me ask you this, because we can look at this and we can rail on Gideon for sure. We can say, man, this guy, I can't believe he had the gall to say that to God. Can't believe how faithless the guy was. It took all of these things to get to this point, but let's be honest here with ourselves. Have you ever been skeptical and less than trusting of God and his plan for a situation that you've been in? I'd be willing to bet you have. We can sit here and we can slam on Gideon all day, but are we so much different? I don't think we are. We're not much different. And the thing is, we don't like to admit it. Because if we're in church circles, we're not allowed to say that we're skeptical, are we? or at least we feel that. I don't know if we do that on purpose, but that, that is what happens. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not allowed to be skeptical. I'm not allowed to, to like ask questions and things like that. Let me just say some things that I think need to be said out loud in the church for a second, if I can. Being skeptical and afraid does not make you awful. It makes you human. <laughs> Being skeptical and afraid does not make you awful. 
It doesn't make you a bad Christian. It doesn't make you faithless. It doesn't mean that you're not able to be used by God. It means that you are human and you are fallible and that you mess up and that you need Jesus just like everybody else. And you know, a lot of people walk away from the faith because of an improper view of questions to God or they will walk into a church and be made to feel less than because they've got questions. Uh, and, and we do this unintentionally as Christians. I've seen it happen. We do it. People walk in and they have questions and maybe they're just not quite ready to put their faith in Jesus. That may be you, whether you're here watching online and you're like, I don't, boy, I don't know, I'm still kind of checking this out. And that's okay, that's cool, that's awesome, you're welcome. We're glad that you're here. You know why? Because it's okay to be skeptical and it's okay to ask questions. It's okay. It really is. Verse 11, we see the angel of the Lord, it says. And we didn't read that verse, but it says the angel of the Lord uh, is, is talking to Gideon here. And, and I'm, I'm backtracking a little to, to kind of bring this back around for a quick second. This is what's known as a theophany in the Old Testament. And that is a really big word that means uh, an actual physical incarnation of Jesus. And this was before the incarnation, before he was born in, in Bethlehem, right? And he actually showed up. The angel of the Lord in the Old Testament is actually Jesus. It's the same, uh, it's the same words in the original language that were used when, uh, when he was walking with Adam in the garden and in the fiery furnace and various other places in the Old Testament. And this is a, known as a theophany. So this is actually Jesus in bodily form talking to Gideon. And Gideon literally is asking questions to Jesus and questioning whether God's plan is... Like, get your head around that for a second. I mean, think, think about that. He's asking Jesus for proof that his plan would work. And then Gideon's able to do that. And then we say, well, we're not allowed to ask questions. We're not allowed to even be a little bit skeptical. Granted, there's a difference between asking questions and questioning. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about, right? There's a difference there. Ask questions all day long. Question me. And that's a little bit of a different scenario, and especially when it comes to God, right? But, you know, some of the wisest people that I know, some of the most godly people that I know, ask a lot of questions. Yet, for some reason, in, these, in church circles, we feel like we can't ask questions. How do you think these people in the Old Testament and even the New Testament, these people that are giants of the faith, how do you think they learned they asked questions. You see it throughout scripture. Abraham, Moses, uh, Jacob, Job, Ruth, especially Job, good grief. Peter, dude never stopped asking questions, that guy. Thomas, Paul, the list goes on, right? That's how they learned more and more about the Lord. And the Lord used those questions to mold and shape them into the instrument that they were intended to be for his purpose. And if they weren't allowed to ask questions, even though they asked them wrong sometimes, because you know what? Sometimes we ask them wrong. We don't even maybe know how to ask them. And that's okay too. We're imperfect. We're, we're fallible. See, obedience doesn't require you to be fearless. Obedience to God doesn't require you to be fearless. There were plenty of those people in, in Scripture who were obeying God, and deep down in the back of their head, 
They were a little bit scared about what was really going to happen here. But they obeyed him anyway, and they stepped forward anyway. You know, one of the biggest lies that the world is telling us now, that the world is telling all of us, and especially our young people, is that you are perfect just the way that you are. You are perfect just the way that you are. Now listen, God created each and every one of us and we're all wired differently. And, and, and yes, from a, from a certain perspective, God has created you the way that you are. Absolutely. But you know what? Nobody on this earth is perfect. Nobody ever has been except Jesus. Nobody ever will be except Jesus. And so, no, we all need to change. Sorry, spoiler alert here, but human beings are sinful, broken, fallible, failing. We fall, and we can't fix ourselves. We can't fix ourselves. Only Jesus can, and he is there to love you anyway. He is there to help you learn, to help you grow, and to help you change. Because part of being a believer and part of being a Christian is the struggle with that, is changing and growing and moving forward. So no, none of us are perfect just the way that you are. We're, we're called in Colossians 3 to leave our old self behind and to put on the new self, being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. That means asking questions, right? And so, when God speaks, and maybe we've asked our questions, maybe we still have questions, but at the same time, when God speaks, there does come a point where we have to take a step. We have to take a step, and we have to put feet to our faith. There comes a moment where you have to put feet to your faith. You have to take a step. Now, Gideon was afraid. Yes, he was. But when he finally put his trust in God, when he finally put his trust in God and he obeyed, the Israelites were freed from the oppression of the Midianites from seven, for seven years. There will always be moments in life. There will always be moments in life where we are worried about giving ourselves over to God. But the truth is, you can trust God with your tomorrows. You can trust him with your tomorrows. You absolutely can. We can trust him because obedience does not require us to be fearless, absolutely. But it only asks that we have the faith to follow God even in difficult times. Doesn't ask us to be fearless, but it only asks that we have the faith to follow God in the difficult times because we're gonna have difficult times. You may be in one of those, I can't do this anymore seasons of your life even right now. And you know, Gideon, while I said, you know, we could slam on him and all of that stuff, but if we're being honest, he doesn't look much different than us most of the time. He was actually mentioned and talked about in Hebrews chapter 11 in the New Testament. In Hebrews 11, it's known as the hall of faith. And these are people who took extreme measures of faith and who were known for their faith. This guy who asked God, who asked Jesus to his face to prove himself, who told Jesus you got the wrong guy, who then tested God a couple of times and then was able to step out. Yes, even he is mentioned in Hebrews 11, beginning in verse 32. Look at this. It says, and what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. 
who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned into strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies, whose weakness was turned into strength. How? By faith. By their faith. Not because of anything that they were able to do. Not because of, of anything but God. It's because of their faith and their obedience in the Lord. They weren't the most talented. They weren't the most capable. They weren't the best leader, at least not right at first. Some of them turned into a great leader. But you better believe that they were skeptical and unsure of themselves. And it sounds a lot like the person that we see in the mirror every single day, doesn't it? You may have a lot of questions for God. Good. Ask away. You may have some questions about where you're sitting right now in, in your life, about the season of life that you're in. Maybe it's just some questions about, maybe you haven't totally come to faith in Jesus yet. It's okay. I'm glad you're here. Glad you're watching. Ask your questions. Ask. Let's talk. For sure. We're all in a different season of of moving through and learning and growing. I'm glad you have questions for God. If you ever stop having questions for God, then I would worry. Ask away. He wants you to ask away. He's right there. But let me respond to your question. Think about maybe what your question or questions are right now. Just think about them to yourself for a second. And then let me respond with what Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? You want to talk about a great verse to memorize that applies in so many circumstances and is so powerful. Because in our weakness, he is strong. Because if God is for us, who can be against us? So will we trust God's power rather than cowering in fear or trusting in our own strength? And remember that, yes, even you can be used by God. And God doesn't look at you that way. God doesn't say, well, I guess I can use them too. That's not how God looks at you, even though that may be how you look at you. That's why the connection point for today, for the whole series is that yes, you, even you, can be used by God. Yes, you with all your questions. Yes, you who's skeptical. Yes, you who's uncertain about whether you've got the ability or the talent or whether you should even be in the room. Yes, you. God wants to use you. And I don't know exactly how. You may not either yet. But ask away. Go to him in prayer. See exactly what he wants you to do. Because if you don't ask, you maybe never will find out. Even though Gideon was skeptical, he was skeptical of God, he was skeptical of himself, and he was timid, but God was faithful. And God used Gideon to save his people even in spite of Gideon. Because it was never really about him to begin with. It was all about God. 
We're just supposed to be obedient and trust God with the results. So I don't know where you sit right now with, with God and with serving and with, you know, asking God what it is that he would have you to do. But I would ask you to, to reach into the back of the seat that's in front of you. Grab this card. There's a card that's there for everybody. It says, welcome to the dream team. And this is not a team that's just for certain people. This is a team for everybody because it takes teamwork to make the dream work. And the dream of filling the streets of gold with people who have not been connected to Jesus that need to be. And you know them, and so do I, because we run into them all the time. And you're never more like Jesus than when you're serving other people. And this whole month, we've been talking about how you can be used, how we can be used to make a difference for the kingdom of God. And it starts with serving somewhere. And maybe it doesn't have to necessarily be on one of these teams that's on the back of this card. But maybe the Lord's been pressing something on you over the last few weeks and you've just been ignoring it. Ah, it's, it's fine. It's, there's people already doing that. It's all good. No, no, no. We need you. Yes, you. Specifically. Where's the Lord pressing you? I want to dare you, double dog dare you, to fill this card out. Maybe check a couple of the boxes that are on there. Maybe there's, a, maybe there's an area on there that you've been skeptical about, that you've been timid about. Maybe this is the Holy Spirit right now telling you, check the box and turn it in. If you're watching online, you can go right here to connectchurch.xyz slash dreamteam and you can do the same thing. And I want to encourage every single person in here to not walk out of this door, these doors back here, or to turn off the live stream before you really think this through, pray about this, fill it out and leave it in the convenience box on the way out. Because if you're not serving, you're not growing. And you're never more like Jesus than when you're serving other people. So where is God leading you? I would ask you to pray it through right now. You've been hearing it for a few weeks, unless you're new or this is your first time, then maybe you haven't. But most of us have been hearing it for a few weeks. Push into that. Lean into that. Pray it through. Drop it in the box on your way out. And see what God does because even you can be used by God. Will you bow your heads with me? If you're timid, if you're skeptical, maybe you're even just skeptical of the faith in general and of Jesus, hey, listen, that's okay. Ask questions. This is a place that you can come and you can ask questions. Maybe you are a follower of Jesus. Maybe you have given your life to Jesus, but you're still skeptical and you're, you're still wondering about certain aspects of what God is calling you to do and what he's asking you to be a part of. That's okay too. Ask your questions. Let's find the answers together. That's what a church family does. Maybe you're just skeptical of, of God in general. I would just ask you to, to ask away and maybe today you can get that right with God and, and you can talk to someone, you can pray about that, you can give your life to Jesus today, but maybe there's a couple of questions that are keeping you from being able to do that. I hope that you'll take advantage of, of, of maybe reaching out to, to one of us, going to the orange wall and talking to somebody maybe afterwards and getting that right. Get your questions answered. Heavenly Father, I love you, I thank you 
that we can come to you with our questions. Lord, we may not always know even what to pray because of what's going on in our life, but Lord, you want us to come to you anyway. And you're patient and kind to us. You don't smack us even though we deserve it in, in some of the ways that maybe we ask things or come to you about certain things. Lord, you love us. And you respond to us in, in the kind and loving way that only you can. Father, I know that there are some of us here and watching online that have questions. Pray that we would bring them to, to the foot of your cross, Lord, and that you would remind us that all things are possible with you. That in our weakness, you are strong. If there's one here that doesn't know you as Savior, God, I pray that today they might make that decision. Someone needs prayer, pray that they would reach out to the person around them, maybe even talk to us after the service. We'd love to pray with them. Father, I thank you that you love us even in spite of ourselves, that there's nothing we can do to make, us, to make you love us more, and there's nothing we can do to make you love us less. Jesus, I pray you would just uh, keep us all safe as we're gonna be heading our separate ways here in a few minutes. Thank you for the truth of your word, God. Let it be an encouragement to us today and this week as we look for opportunities for even us to be used by you. In Jesus' name, amen.